Good morning, friends. I'm so glad you could be with me today to be in God's Word together. It's always so exciting for me to be able to get with you in these times and unfold the Word together where we can discover the riches of these God-breathed words that God has given us and made available to us in the written scriptures. I'm picking up our reading today in the book of Romans in verse 28, and I'll read through to the end of that chapter of chapter 1. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness and evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips and slanderers. They are haters of God, insolent, haughty, and boastful. They are inventors of evil and disobedient to parents, foolish and faithless and heartless and ruthless. And though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them as well. Well, as we've talked about, if you've been with me for these days, we're in this section of the first chapter where we're discovering the tragic consequences of sin, human rebellion against God, a refusal to turn to the gospel, which in itself is the power of God to salvation to anyone who believes. But God then, starting in verse 18, begins to help us to see why we needed the gospel in the first place, and that is because we are sinners. All of us are sinners. And in verses 24 and 26 and 28, as we've looked at, we have that phrase, God gave them up, which means in human rebellion against him and refusal to bow the knee and turn to the gospel, God gives us over to the power of sin so that our lives reflect enslavement to sin in various ways. In verses 24 and 25, we saw how God has given them up to the, to the power of sin reflecting itself in sexual impurity, sexual immorality, heterosexuality used outside the context of God's purpose and plan. In verses 26 and 27, God gave them up to sexual perversion. Sexuality no longer taking the form of heterosexual sexuality, but distorted, perverted sexuality. Yesterday, we began looking in these verses 28 to 32, that God gave them up to a debased mind, a mind that's not thinking right, a mind characterized by illogic, people essentially living insane lives, doing those things that hurt them and doing those things that hurt other people. We ended yesterday by talking about that fact that this debased mind shows up in three broad areas. It shows up in how we relate to people. It shows up in how we try to relate to God. And it also shows up in how we try to understand and relate to life in general. Now today we're going to look at the first two of those a bit further. A debased mind, first of all, influences how human beings relate to other human beings. It impacts on relationships. The world's social system that all of us find ourselves in always struggles with peacefulness. I mean, at every level, from families, from schools, communities, states, nations, at every level, continued contention exists, and the lack of peace is the dominating peace. Oh, at times, uh, even in the midst of such contention and strife, 
you can hold the most grievous expressions of violence at bay in the midst of treaties, but nonetheless, the characteristic is war, and war mentally, economically, and sometimes physically. Wars, violence, alienation are all the product of sin in the human condition. In a debased mind leading us to illogical, insane actions simply fosters all of that uncertainty. Sin, using this debased mind that we're talking about, leads people to respond to other people on a one-on-one -on -one level, on a family level, on a community level, and so forth, leads them to respond to other people in a way that takes away any kind of peace and replaces it with contention. He lists a number of things here, and I'm not going to take the time to look at each of them, but notice he says, listen, the reality of a debased mind is going to show up that people will deal with one another with deceit, dishonesty, in other words. They're going to deal with each other on the basis of covetousness, trying to take what somebody else has, wanting it for yourself. They're going to deal with one another on the basis of malice, wishing harm on another person, on the basis of envy, and the basis of gossip, the effect of trying to tear down another person in other people's eyes, on the basis of slander, false accusation against people, or murder, promoting strife. What a terrible collection of descriptive characteristics, but nonetheless ones which are accurate. You read through this and you say, aha, now I understand my community. And sadly, for some of us, now I understand my home life, my family. And certainly I understand my nation and the international scene of the world. If, in fact, dishonesty and covetousness and malice and gossip and slander and murder and strife is being driven by this debased mind, boy, it shows up in all kinds of ways. The Christian doesn't need to be perplexed about the human drama played out around them in the culture that they find themselves in. A debased mind impacts and influences how we relate to other people. A debased mind also impacts and influences on how we attempt to relate to God. The fact of the matter is, as he puts it in verse 30, humanity with this debased mind in rebellion against God actually is a hater of God. Men and women who are not right with God are actually haters of God. The word translated haters of God describes a condition of deep anger and animosity toward God. Instead of loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is the greatest of the commandments, inside we are angry toward God, blaming God for everything that goes wrong in our lives or we think goes wrong in our lives, seeing him as the author of dilemma, and cursing him in a way in our hearts. God says that's the condition of mankind. Then that describes how they seek to relate to God, as haters of God. They also seek to relate to God, it says, as insolent, haughty, boastful. They respond to God on the basis of human pride, not humility. First uh, John chapter two verses fifteen to seventeen and seventeen in describing the nature of the world system in which we find ourselves, it says it promotes a pride of life, meaning we have confidence in what we can do and no focus really on what God does. All have pride 
lurking within in their relationship with God. And that pride fosters certain things. For example, it says it makes us insolent toward God. The Greek word here, the idea of insolence, means we are inclined to insult God, either with our words or with our mannerisms. We lash out at him. What an indictment to lash out at God and to be an insolent person toward the God of the universe. He also says it makes people haughty in verse 30. That pride makes people haughty toward God. The word means proud, arrogant, to think of ourselves more highly than we really ought to think and treat others in a way less than what they deserve. <laughs> That's the human condition too. We think of ourselves as much better off than we actually are. And we think of other people as much worse off than perhaps they are. <laughs> Haughtiness toward God. And that leads, I think, finally to that boastfulness, which is the next word we encounter here in verse 30. If I'm prideful, insolent, and haughty before God, I am also going to have a tendency to be boastful before God. The word translated boastful here literally means empty boasting. <laughs> uh, boasting of what one doesn't have. Human beings claim what they can't deliver on. And especially in their relationship with God, they claim things that they can't deliver on. It is the common human conclusion to claim, I'm going to go to heaven because <laughs> I deserve to be there. I'm good enough to be there. What other, what would God do but accept me to go to heaven? Everyone sees themselves in a haughty, inflated way, and they make an empty boast. They reject out of hand the gospel which says, no, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. There's not one who does good. All of us need in repentance and faith to turn to Jesus Christ in his work on the cross, to look to the gospel, which becomes the power of God to salvation for us. Now, they reject that out of hand. They are boastful before God and haughty toward God, insolent toward God, and reject their need for God's work reflected in the Lord Jesus Christ, dying, rising again on our behalf. That is the picture of humanity. That is the proof of sin's empowering of a debased mind. Well, join me tomorrow and we'll talk about the debased mind as it affects generally relating to life and then draw these concluding verses of the first chapter together. Join me then, won't you? God bless. <laughs>